Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Full Exposure with me, your host, Brian Kelly. Hey, today's guest is a good one. It's Michelle McCormick. And without any hyperbole, I can say that Michelle McCormick is a Michigan morning radio legend. She started her career when she was only 19 years old, way back in the 80s. Michelle's been a trailblazer in the radio industry that is still often deeply misogynistic in a boys' club, to say the least. Michelle admits she's part cheeseball, but she has always been deadly serious about her career. Over time, Michelle learned to call her own shots and fights gender pay disparity whenever she can. Her long career has depended on people liking her on air, and the audiences have always embraced her. As a result, she has both thrived and survived in an extremely tough business. Today, Michelle loves to mentor women at any stage in their broadcasting careers and is deeply committed to the West Michigan community. In this episode, we unpack a lot, a lot about her career, and, uh, but we also unpack a lot about uh, some great celebrity stories about Delay- David Lee Roth, Barbara Streisand. I also share a story about Whoopi Goldberg. We also spill some dirt on our current radio partner, Tony Gates, on WLAV of the Tony Gates Show. Um, ultimately, this conversation highlights many of the pillars of Michelle's success as a female trailblazer, and, uh, and we can all learn from that, right? Right? Like, so... Uh, she is a goofball. I love her. She's amazing. Michelle, you're, uh, you are unto yourself, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. And um, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Um, hey, we're our, uh, beginning conversations about um, with companies that are interested in sponsoring this podcast and, um, and hope to develop a relationship with a couple of key companies that would like to uh, associate with us and help us uh, do a lot more with this podcast. So if you're interested at all in engaging in a conversation with me about uh, what a relationship might look like, we're looking for a good fit that's uh, mutually a good fit. We just don't want what we want, people. We want to to come to a mutually beneficial uh, arrangement here with sponsorships. So anyway, reach out to me at my email address, brian at briankellyphoto.net. And uh, if you are just in the audience and you enjoy this podcast, the best thing you can do is share it. And subscribe to it. And when I say subscribe to it, it's still free, people. Subscribe to it on iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher or uh, Spotify or Google Play or any other podcasting um, platform that you listen to podcasts on. It'll uh, help our rankings and help more people find us, which is great. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much the pitches. As always, there's one last pitch. This podcast is currently... Only brought to you by me, Brian Kelly Photography and Film, and Brian Kelly Productions. If you are embarking on a photography or video project this summer or later this fall, please reach out to me. I'd love to discuss how we could collaborate on that project together. Okay? All right. That's the pitch. Here's Michelle McCormick. You're going to like it. And uh, away we go. I'm I'm speeding, sir. I'm pretty. I can't. Super pretty. I can't know stuff. <laughs> it's it's hard knowing Except stuff. Except you did. You are the only guest who's like you need. What did you just say about? I'll my tell mics? you right now. Would you draw a couple hundred on these tin Listen, cans of microphone like, with the mix board, with the headphones? Uh, I got okay. like four hundred G, four hundred 
hundo. Dollar, four hundo. Four hundo in it. Four hundos. Yeah. I'll tell you, these are like two Coca-Cola cans and some string. Really? Like we, yeah. Like you need a shoe. Get your, if you're going to make this cute little podcast thing fly, <laughs> this little hobby, get okay. some good mics. All right. Well, you sound like you've had a career in radio and I'm, broadcasting and you might know some things. So maybe, maybe I should just listen to Michelle McCormick. I drink and I know things. <laughs> what happens? I, I drink to know less. Sure. Microphones or a nice sensible Sennheiser. Pop a little... Pop a little bit on the microphone. Okay. It matters. All right. All it right. matters. All right. Well, hi, hi, Brian Kelly. It's about, it's about the portraits. It's about the portraits. It's about yeah. the conversation after the portraits. It's not about my beefy baritone. I like. I think that baritone could be beefier if you had a because. Let me, dro- let me drop the let me drop the lows on this uh, the midtones. Hold on one second. You don't look like your voice. I feel, I feel great. Now you look like your like, voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. Barry. See? A little Barry White. It matters. I'm playing with it. See, now I'm up real high. No, too like tinny. That. No, it's very tinny. Let's get that bare tone going. Way better. Yeah. It matters. It does. It, it's equality. It, there's nothing worse than listening to a fantastic podcast and being in radio and wearing headphones for 90% of my life. Yeah. You hear this great podcast, and then they're like talking off mic, and you just want to go, if it's here, just the, the rule of thumb, if it's important enough to say, it's important enough to say on mic. All right. I'm going to Never lean. off microphone. We're all just going to lean in a little bit. We're going to lean in. These you have to eat pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, thanks for coming. I'm I, uh, very excited. I, you know, I, you're just, uh, you've been a part of everybody's lives in this community for so long. And I know you hear that all the time, but it's really true. So how do you deal with people that just, okay, here we go right off the, let's roll up our sleeves. Right. How do you deal with that? Just people feeling like they know you. I can't or, stand it. No, yeah. I, I, I really love it. It is, but you know, you do forget. Cause when somebody says, Hey, I know you, I'll go. From school, did we date, or is it from radio? Like, how do we right. know each other? Like, what? Yeah. And I started at um, WGRD when I was nineteen, and 19. I am fifty-four. So I've been doing in Grand. I, I left to work in Detroit for five years, yeah. which was fantastic. And I worked in Jersey for a year, and then, but for you the most part, boomerang back. You're I boomerang. boomerang. I have been uh, here. Since I'm 19 years old, uh, you know, on the air. So, yeah, people do feel like they know you. I, I think it's great. It's the biggest compliment. Yeah, especially, it is. Well, yeah. especially in a business, I think that is so known for turmoil, upheaval, yeah. you know, unfairness. And, you know, you've been there. You've been fighting mm-hmm. and swinging mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. at the top of the morning it's game for a solo. boys club. Yeah. In the worst way, it's been the boys club for years. Is that changing? A little bit. A yeah. little bit. Um, I'll. I always have said they go. How do you? Because there are women in radio who it's always the news girl or the weather girl, you yeah. know, in morning radio. And so I, I really work to be the co-host or the host or this. Yeah. And I always say I can say what any guy can say. Yeah. I just. It's just about being a good broadcaster, not a good female broadcaster. So no. fighting that yeah. has been weird. But the pay scale. That's yeah. where we get hit. That's where they kick you in the bra. Well, right that's, <laughs> yeah, but. right in the right in the cojones, right in the well, yeah, yeah and just I read something the other day that's still in Michigan that it's like uh, the pay disparity between males and females is like twenty two or twenty three cents mm-hmm. an hour. Like it's a that's not a little amount of money. No, it's and in a the lot. radio, like it was sort of baked into the system, right? Yeah, I have made 
half of like I'll be on a show a very like in Detroit like a very successful show making great money and they'll hire a guy to work with me and right off the bat and I know this because we have agents and agents talk and sure um and right off the bat it's double like they hire him in at double where I am like what is that like, like wait hello. a minute right especially in a business where our sweet spot where we make our money is 25 to 54 that's it. Persons, men and women, 25 yeah. to 54 year old people. And, um, you know, if it, it, women listen to women and men listen to women for the most part. And so, yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think, and there's been such upheaval in your industry. Mm-hmm. Now, unlike there are some parallels, sometimes I find unusual parallels between like, we don't have the same career, but technology's, uh, up created some upheaval in my industry. It's mm-hmm. easier for people to take good photos you know, office people are taking photos now of like I mean, buildings and architectural work. Or hey, staff headshots. Your uh, doesn't your wife shoot the soccer games and the uh, kids? And we'll just take it off your Facebook page. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it, like at so. weddings too. I get so many these beautiful wedding photographers who do these. Really, you really have to be creative now because yeah. everybody, these kids, these millennials, care about. They don't care about the food at their weddings. My yeah. son just got married. They care about the photos. And these people whipping their phone outs during ceremonies. To me, there's nothing There's nothing worse, I think. I well, yeah, I mean, we're all... It's not just weddings. It's just everything. You go to a mm. um, concert and people are not experiencing the concert. They're recording the concert. Or they're doing yeah, selfies totally. at the concert. Or they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're posting all... You know, they're heads down on social media. So I think... Um, it's something I'm still adjusting to because even this podcast, I could be hypocritical about it. It's about putting out content and everyone, even my kids are, my kids are a little bit older now. They're 19 and 17 and oh uh, 13, all girls. So what? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but they've been curating their social media streams for, since they started with their first phones around 13 or 14. And they're, they're very concerned about what they post on Instagram and the color scheme and the color palette. So they're thinking more visually, which is great. Right. Creative, but right? It's, yeah. It's creative. But you know what I, what I heard in an interview with some 17 year olds, oh, I don't know, last year. And the standard is, on social media, if you don't get a reaction in like 30 minutes, it's on to the next thing. And that's yeah. pressure for those kids, I think. Yeah, it's a different uh, way. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole nother psychology. We could go... Boy, like Mason's go 30, so he yeah. just missed it. Like my yeah. son kind of... It was just... Facebook was just starting. Yeah. Now, having teenagers is crazy. So you have 19... 17, a senior high. So Hannah is a sophomore at U of M. Yeah. What's, what's her deal? What is she going to do? What's her Well, she interest? just co- declared uh, communications as a role oh, or as her major. Okay. But she's interested in marketing and advertising, but I always, I kind of, that's such a blanket thing that doesn't say anything about anybody, but she's very interested in human behavior, uh, media strategies, branding strategies. She's very... In a not kind of, shy. She's not shy. Not shy and, and smart. And she's very smart, and she, she knows that we're being manipulated by media. And by advertising, and so she's kind of interested in what's under the hood of pushing those buttons of human behavior. Look at what you made. I know. It I know. That, well, my gene pool is pretty shallow. Me my too. Wife, Me too. My is wife it your wife? Of, yeah, yeah, she's very smart. Yeah. So I'm then, more social. Like I, I'm, I'm three inches deep, and you know, a hundred miles <laughs> wide. 
That almost went another place. I, <laughs> I got it, though. I know what you mean. And then there's the, what's the next one down? 17? So 17, she's a senior at Catholic Central. That's Maddie. She's more like me. She's kind of, um, you know, she was my boy. I call her my boy. She was my athlete, and she swam and did lacrosse, and, I, you know, I played mm. sports and stuff. And then, uh, but she's uh, very uh, funny, sarcastic. She's the one that'll just come up out of nowhere, and you just get a Charlie horse in your arm. You know, it's like just smacking Ooh, okay, me that's in a playful, fun way. Love her. She's okay. great. And then little Faith, who's thirteen, oh, going to be fourteen in May, and she's a seventh grader. But you knew you knew a little bit about her, didn't you? Just in terms of like she's got cerebral palsy, and and she was born with a lot of drama around her entry into the world. I, you know, I don't know. Okay, well, that's maybe another podcast. Okay, but, uh, but anyway, yeah. So she's got uh, she's amazing. She's uh, mainstreamed with her classmates, but she's on a special educational program, and uh, so what a what a fantastic name. Yeah, her name's I mean, Faith. seriously, dude. Yeah. I mean, you Faith know. Faith Kathleen. So my wife's name's Kathleen, so it's Faith Kathleen Kelly. And then, uh, yeah, Maddie is Madeline. And then Hannah, with she's still kind of mad, no H on the end. Yeah. So it's just H-A-N. All right, I see what you did there. I see what's happening. Yeah, that's, you know, that's her burden to bear through my life. Son, my son was baby boy for three days while I decided. Yeah. It was either Benjamin or Mason. And the mother-in-law... A shrew of a woman. She was a shrew of a woman. Yeah. Oh my god. So at the time, the mother-in-law at the time was uh, was uh, called him Benji, and I thought that's it. And Mason, she said that's not after a saint. And and of course now he's gonna go. You know he's going to hell because not Mm -hmm. even. So that's why I named him Mason because for sure I would like him to take a fast track right to hell. You know. Are you are you um, particularly religious? I was raised Catholic, but I'm not. I'm I'm not. I don't attend church. Yeah. Now I get it. Mm -mm, mm -hmm. I went to all Catholic schools. I mean, except with the exception of which we we shared. We both went to Northview here in Grand Rapids, but all Catholic. I mean, St. Jude's. Yeah. And then my parents wow. broke us Four out of St. Jude's. Mm-hmm. Right on. Fred's Pizza. Right. Fred's Pizza right there, which they've expanded. How about yeah. that? And uh, so that's it. So that's my, yeah. All right. Well, um, so anyway, yeah, that's the kids thing. But I think uh, back to what I admire about you, that I'm glad you're here. Oh, yeah. One, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk all Let about my, my admiration what, what, do you for you? <laughs> what do you admire about me, what Brian Kelly? You, what do you love about me yeah. right now? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I love any woman who's powerful and in radiant, kind of calling her own shots, which I know it probably didn't feel like that over the years sometimes, no, no. but, but I think lately it seems to be tipping more in your favor and you have a great partnership on LAV mm-hmm. in the mornings mm-hmm. and the ability to do some things. Yep. But just to grind that out creatively every single day, you're up at, what time do you get up in the morning, Michelle? 3.15. Okay. You're just bragging or is that real? That's true. 3.15. I hit the snooze a couple times. Yeah. Starts at 3.05, I hit snooze, I get up. I, in radio, it depends if I got a client coming in, do I have to jump into anything dressy or I'll jump into anything. And then uh, I work with a guy, Tony Gates, who has been working in radio for, I I grew up listening to him. Yeah. And I'll tell you. I'm um, sure you love telling him that too. (laughs) Yeah. But we, uh, I love him. I mean, it's, it, it is. It's like a brother sister relationship. You know, we fight like brother sister. Yeah. We and it's, but there's an ease to it when you listen to is. you guys on air. There's there such is. an ease. Some other like duos, you know, they kind of force the banter, and then they they seem to always be searching for those little viral clips they play at three or four in the afternoon that are yeah. just kind of these compilations of oh, 
over laughing and ha 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 ha. I have tried. I've been on those shows before. I've had to force. I've done that before. It's not fun. Yeah. It's so much easier when you just don't have to. And I mean, he's so, we're both buffoons. I mean, truly. And he his buffoonery is so beyond. And but he, he's not even trying. No, that's that's just him. So beautiful, and he laughs yeah. at it. And so. Our nuggets are real. I mean, like, he'll really, true story, he hung upside down in a tree hunter for three hours trying to figure out how to cut himself down. I mean, and he, he, and he thought nothing of that story. And like, well, back up, what, three? Yeah, you know, I was hanging over the end. So he is, I mean, it's just it's priceless. So well, there's so many of those. I have one quick story about Tony Gates, your yep. radio partner. And it, I was doing a photo shoot for Laugh Fest. We mm-hmm. got clearance from the zoo to do something with Tony fishing in the zoo, like in one of the outside areas where there's, I don't know, it wasn't penguins, but it was like there was birds, waterfowl in it. Waterfowl. Waterfowl, put it that way. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do try to do this funny photo of Tony Gates fishing at the zoo. And uh, Tony spent quite a lot of time with zoo management right at the beginning trying to bring a shotgun into the zoo <laughs> for this photo shoot. And Laffus, nobody knows really what Laffus is. Is it the first or second year? It's like right away, like new, right? Okay. Well, yeah, Laffus. So we didn't have any like people didn't really know what Laffus was. They didn't know the 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 tempo of these funny photos we were trying to do with mm-hmm. some you know well known people around town. So you know, needless to say, Tony was very adamant about trying to bring in a shotgun, and that's instead of a fishing pole, he wanted to be hunting the birds in the zoo. And uh, he lost that battle. No. But, yeah, he I did. did. Wow. Back then, the Uptight. zoo did not allow him to uh, bring a, a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, he's telling the guy, hey, it's not loaded. It's so, not loaded here. And he's like trying to show him. Like, I'm really going to shoot like, the no. thing. Bro. I trust you it's not loaded. Yeah, it was a thing. But, you know. Funny. God love him. He was looking for that extra joke. But that is funny. It is funny. I mean, it is yeah. funny. Uh, you know. Can you imagine walking around the zoo, though, with all, it's all nothing but families, and you're carrying a shotgun. A shotgun. The <laughs> and then you're in, an, you're in an exhibit of fish, and people are strolling by, and then they're seeing Tony uh, with a shotgun. There's so much wrong with that. But, so much, but yeah. there's some right with it, too, though. Yeah, that's why he's, he's got a funny bone. He was going for it. This morning we were talking about the story on the air. There's this guy, and I don't know if you've watched the, which is again a whole other podcast, the HBO Michael Jackson thing, the Neverland thing. I haven't started that one. I was still trying to get through the R. Kelly one, which has been hard, and I've, I've basically stopped. That I like didn't do eight it. Times I didn't do it. You know, I just but but Michael Jackson. I've always been one of these believers that he's immature, he's childlike, but really there was no. And after this. A hundred million percent all this. Like, he he married one of the guys. I mean, he's off his rails. He ruined these kids' lives. And he should go the way of... And I'm... Listen, I was ready to go see him in London. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I skipped school to go by the wall when it came out, the album. Yeah. I was a sophomore. I was so excited. But he belongs the way of Bill Cosby. He yeah. shouldn't get any of his legacy. But so this morning we're on the air and we're talking about... Uh, this guy, he named, he had plastic surgery to look like Mike, Michael Jackson, and he, he named, changed his name legally to Michael Jackson. Well, now he's now watched the HBO thing, so he's trying to not, he's, he's trying, trying to, to change his name he's trying back. trying to unring that bell. Right, well then, so the end of the story, Tony goes, oh yeah, and he owns a daycare. And like, no. I just can't, it's true. <laughs> so it's like, that's like carrying a gun in the zoo, the Michael Jackson yeah. who owns a daycare. Like, you can't right. write that stuff. It's like Jared coming over to do uh, 
you know, the other subway guy. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought I had a joke that would come to me. I did wouldn't. a show with him, Jerry. He came in to, uh, when I worked at I 96.1 before it was ESPN, yeah. it was I 96. And he came in and he sat in with us and did a show with us. And, you know, who yeah. knew he was the freak that he was, huh? Jeez. Nobody knows. Nobody knows anything about anybody, Mm-mm. really. And it's all compartmentalized now. No. It's kind of a strange thing. No. You can't really, um, yeah, you just don't know, know anybody. Anymore, you know, because you you pick up somebody's phone, which I don't even want to touch anybody's phone anymore. And you I don't sh- even go through. Do you ever go through your spouse's phone? And no, I don't even like anybody. to hold no, her phone. No, like, it's oh, not. You got a text. I'm like it's, sliding it back. Right, ah, like, oh, text. Because it's so um so private. You, well, and if you really knew really what people search, because I don't think people think about the ramifications of what they're searching or doing or whatever yeah. online. And if you if you really saw what even like like a Mother Teresa, like a really normal, nice, sweet, saintly person, you know, maybe they looked at something yeah. odd, you know? I right. mean, triple, well, now there's a digital triple trail. nickel. I don't know. I remember our neighbor kid down the street, We oh there was a field that we made, like baseball fields and all this stuff. And, you know, it was the era of early 70s and yeah. mid-70s, and, and his dad had a Playboy collection. And these didn't last, these magazines didn't last long, which is kind of funny because... Uh, we decided that we should keep these Playboys, uh, you know, instead yeah. of at somebody's house, uh, you know, he snuck them out of the house. We should have a central spot for them. So we buried them in the ground. Good, smart thinking. Aren't we smart kids? Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So, you know, what? Whatever. <laughs> a month later, we're like, we should uh, look at these magazines again and dig them up. And, uh, you know, they're... Uh, they they were like disinter- they were worm food basically. You're not the only kid though who did something like that because yeah. we were big campers. Yeah, and we were camping at Wilderness State Park in um, Mackinac City up there, Wilderness State Park. And in the water there was this bag, and I thought it was a fish. I didn't know. And I, by the way, am the youngest of five, and I was always a chunky tubby was my nickname. Seriously, my dad called me tubby, <laughs> which meant love then. But yeah. now, if we look back, it is so many so many therapy sessions later. But um, <laughs> but tell me, I was always the I was always the one. I'll jump in cold water. I'll still do anything on a dare. I'm yeah. just that person. Really? I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got to think of a I will do I will. I'll yeah. do it. I'll do it. I don't know why. And I think it's cuz I was always heavy and so it's true fat girls try harder. Sure. And we're funny. And so yeah. I was always the one that went into the water and we found I you know, it took us about an hour. We circled this thing. Anyway, I went under and I pulled it up and it was this bag of booze that some kids had tied and hidden sure. in that, Lake Michigan. That was their stash. Feeling right. And you know, who knows how long it had been there. Right. And I remember I brought it back to the camp and my parents were like, oh no, you can't, you know, I'm sure they drank it because I was. Yeah. But I think hiding stuff outside was a big people had forts more than kids had forts. Our yeah. neighbors had a boat Ports. in their We backyard. built everything. My kids, it was hard. And it was, I grew up with one older brother who was a year behind you at high school. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we were boys growing up. And then I have all three girls. But uh, we just spent our entire lives from like basically four years old to outside. high school, outside, <laughs> outside, riding bikes, building baseball fields, BMX stuff, ice skating, uh, ice hockey, ice fishing. And come home by the time the streetlights are on. Yeah, that was it. Seriously, that, that was, was it. it. It was very much a um, Stranger played, Things kind of without all the aliens. We played you know? war. We played cops and robbers. I mean, all these things that are not, you know, acceptable. Yeah. Now. I mean, we had, you know, we played cowboys and first people. Yeah. Native Americans. <laughs> I mean, first gender. I mean, we play, yeah. but we played that. I mean, we did all that stuff. And then we had a community pool. Yeah. Um, in our neighborhood. Northville. 
Northville Park Community School. So right. I pool. So I was four years old and on the swim team. I mean, I swam. So that's I think where I, anything on a dare. You just our parents just threw us in that pool. Yeah. So, so my kids swam. wouldn't, you know, they they wouldn't just ramble around, which is okay. They didn't uh, when we moved. Well, anyway, it's just neither here nor there. It's kind of a girl and guy thing, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just a it seemed much more physical and much more like. Um, you know, a world where you just went and you got all bumped up and you came home with yep. a broken arm and you just went off to the ER and you got that a was cast. It. That was it. You dusted your off and you're back on your bike the next day. I had a daredevil, my brother Vinny. He's the one Vin- just above Wait, me, Vinny. Vinny's the coolest brother name ever. My brother Vinny. And he... Uh, Is it's, it Vincent? Nope. It's, it's Vince. It's Vinny. It's not Vincent. It's Vince. Vince William Vinny. So it goes Tammy, Joe, Jill, and then the two little ones. And we were Vinny, Tubby and Vinny. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and so Vinny literally would do, he would build, it was when Evil Knievel was, you know, popular. Yeah. So he would build ramps with the Manikowski boys who live next door. And then, uh, and then the Redmond kids across the street. And so we, and then we would all lay and then he would j- literally jump over us with the bike. And I was always the last one. I was always the one they landed on. Cause I, you know, <laughs> and so, but he like jumped off our deck with the umbrella yeah. and ruined my mom's umbrella. Oh, sure. We were always on roofs and on decks and, I mean, you're right. It's not, it, who, and then we had where Northview apartments are. That yeah. was all field, and that was Dead Man's Hill. Yes, Dead and Man's so, Hill. Right. I used to, we had a tiny little motorcycle. Come on. Dirt bike, and I used to ride motorcycles Dead back Man's there. Hill. But I had to push my bike from my house, which is probably, be if I, it's probably a mo- three quarters of a mile from my mm-hmm. house, but my, we were very, they weren't road, you know, and I was like 10 years old, 12 right. years old. So we had to push the bike um, uphill. In both ways, <laughs> to this dead man's hill, and then we could ride all through where all those apartments it, yeah. were before. And we were so mad when those apartments went in. We're Furious. like, oh, "What is this? You know, economic development? Like, this is horrible. Right. This is affecting my life right here, mm. my childhood. My sister broke the her greed, leg. On dead the man's greed hill. of these real estate yeah. people. You know, Can you imagine. Who knows? I know it. Um, all right. So I want to talk to you. So we did. You're you've been photographed a lot in your life. Yep. Because you're a public person, you're always doing media. Mm-hmm. Now you've got all your social media chains, mm-hmm. your uh, channels. Mm-hmm. And um, so we did a photo shoot, but I, I like to ask everybody, is, is photography, do you like, enjoy being photographed? I'm, I'm cheesy. I'm a cheese ball. And what I mean by that is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't, I, I'm, I'm a ham. I just have always been. Yeah. And again, I think it comes from being the youngest of five. I had to be the loudest. Yeah. Hello, I'm here. The funniest. The You yeah. know, and yeah, I'll jump in front. I was in plays and I'm, yeah, I like it. And yeah. it's funny because... I, I, there'll be people who, um, like in broadcast magazines, they'll interview and then they'll take pictures of you and then they meet you in person and go, oh, like it's, it's, I take a pretty good photo. Yeah. You did but, great. Listen to me. I take a good, but it, that's great. But that's also to your detriment because when they meet you, they go, oh, who's, where's the person in the, <laughs> well, it's no, both, but it doesn't right? bother Like me. I've shot a fair amount of well-known people and you know, sometimes they show up and you're like, oosh. Who is the Ooh, one, like who's happened? one person who you've. Shot because you famous people. I mean, all and and politicians, and you have, and your work. And I'll gush about this too before we're done today too. To me, there's photographers, and then there yours is a cut above. And you always know a Brian Kelly. You have a signature oh. picture because it looks like it, it looks like a painting and a 
photograph at the same time. We were talking about this on the air the other morning about how your was it this morning? How would you like me pictures, to call in next time? We could. I would next love time it. you're talking about me, I should. I just would call love it. In well, you know, say, I would you know, hope that. Yeah, I would yeah. hope that you would just hear that somebody would call you. Well, I listen all the time, but I right. just I'm gonna miss that segment. But I mean, it is you do have a unique. You take unique photos, and so what? Who surprised you the most? Like was either. A jerk, an ass, or really nice, and you thought they wouldn't be like who? What? Mm. What's one memorable session? Well, I have a really good. I have a really good story that started out horrible and ended up great. But uh, I, before I get into that, I want to tell mm. you about. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, just my work and my style. I appreciate what you said about mm-hmm. it. That it, it has a distinct look, and I've worked very hard to get that. I don't style. know how you do. I don't get it. Well, but yeah. there's more lights and equipment, and and okay. as um, we're talking earlier a little bit about just how technology has democratized um, photography. It's easier to take a photo. And so I've seen parts, segments of my business where I used to work in quite a bit 15 years ago in architectural work and just different fields. It's taken over by office people who can take a pretty good photo. Right, right. So a lot of my market has, you know, it changes all the time. It's not good or bad. It's just always changing. Different. But the portrait style has really just evolved out of... Um, you know, just really trying to to make things more complicated and really control where light hits you exactly. Like you couldn't meander too far out of one spot. You know, okay. like I had to a mark on the floor, and if you get four or five inches off that mark, it's very chiseled looking. Yours, it's yeah. very cool. Like oh, it's thanks. depth, or I, I don't know what the, I can't find the right words. But well, I anyway, I didn't mean to ramble on no, about no, no. my process, but the. Um, who was very interesting, but one of the coolest stories was Whoopi Goldberg. And so I had a photo shoot early okay. on with Whoopi Goldberg with Laugh Fest. And we got all... So the trick to all these Laugh Fest photo shoots that I do is I might only have somebody for two minutes, I might have them for 10 minutes, or I might have them for an hour, and I don't really know too much about it until I'm actually into the shoot. Okay. Like how patient and how much time they'll give for the photo shoot and all this stuff. So we always pre-light. We arrive an hour and a half, two hours before the talent does. Okay. And so because you're very them. laid back, by the way, you're not one. You're not a pushy, directable, directing. I guy. come with kindness and f- perceived flexibility. You don't want to do that, no problem. But I have another plan. I and like that. And I just sort that. of lull them into what I want to do. Perceived As flexibility. To, it's a perception. I like it. All right. And sometimes I have no control and I lose. But, okay. you know, I mean, it's just par for the course. Mm-hmm. So we're all pre-lit for Whoopi Goldberg. And we're at the Bob on the fourth floor where Eve is now. But there's a room that's got a fireplace near down the hall. And there's beautiful afternoon light coming in. All set up. And then Whoopi comes in with her manager. And she just has this look like she would rather be anywhere on the planet uh, except where we are. Uh. And... Um, we did the photo. I started to do the photo shoot, and the first thing is I had her pre-lit to sit in a chair or on a stool. Basically, there was a funky piece of furniture. It wasn't like funky, crazy, like oh, look at the furniture. It was just this. It was more like a an ottoman kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not describing it right, but anyway, the point is. I said, Whoop, great to meet you. Um, got Everything's all pre-lit, and um, I've got you pre-lit to sit on this stool. And she goes, I'd rather stand. 
first thing, and then like you know how precise the lighting is. Yeah, you gotta put the. So I had to move up. everything. I had to move, adjust all the lighting, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, time's ticking. I might have two or three minutes with her, and now I have to adjust lighting for her to stand. And she's already. There's the you energy. Think she's you, know, annoying, you know how it is right? when someone yeah. comes in and they're just like you. Mm-hmm. It's palpable, like. Sometimes I, when the comics come in on Friday morning and it's seven o'clock in the morning and they we have to we gotta we gotta warm gotta, them up gotta right crack through comfort that, them right crack through that veneer a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, she um, so I just uh, I said okay, so we adjusted the lighting really quick and then I just said um, took a couple frames. She had her hands in her pockets and then I said I'd love for you to just maybe um, do something with your hands. I don't know, just you know. Something she goes, my hands are fine where they are. Oh, Brian! I was like, okay, mm. let me just. I could just tell the shoot was going nowhere. So I did. Uh, I said, no problem, Whoopi. I will just take a couple more photos, some verticals and horizontals, just to cover off on what I need. I'm going to let you go. And the thing is that we had to do a VIP meet and greet with her. Okay. Where they were going to do a bunch of step and repeats in front, of, you know, whoopies on Mark and two people come in and then the click. You had to shoot them. those I had two. To shoot, I had to shoot that that year for him yeah, or for little, her. It's a little beneath you, but okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it yeah. is, but okay. I'll do anything to get the portrait <laughs> shot. But anyway, mm-hmm. whatever I got to do. But um, <laughs> so we're doing that that shoot, and then I started. I had I always try to do research with people, right? Mm-hmm. So I. I knew there was a couple of photographers that she really liked. Also, Annie Leibovitz had done this really famous photo of her in the 90s of her. In a, it was looking down at her in a bathtub, but it was filled with milk. And just her face, her brown skin and brown face and her hands were like emerged out of the milk. And it's a really iconic photo of her. Uh-huh. Probably the most, one of the most iconic photos taken of Whoopi Goldberg. It was by Annie Leibovitz, of all people. And there's another photographer named Timothy White that she... I could find all kinds of portraits of her by him. She must the, really like him. Yeah, okay. so I said, I just have to tell. So we finished my shoot, and she gave me nothing for it, nothing. Hands in pockets. Nothing. Just didn't, See. just couldn't wait to be anywhere. So as the meet and greet, before we were waiting for this meet and greet to start, we had like 15 minutes to kill, and we're all in the same room. So what do you talk about? So I was like, I want to talk about these. And the shoot's over. Like you're not my shooting. Shoot is done. Yeah, you're like not my using that 15 minutes. See what it, what kills me. Quick sidebar is, yeah. if these people saw, if they could see what the finished product was during the shoot, they would be mad respect. There would be mad love for you and respect well, during the shoot. So anyway, okay. it came out okay. I mean, that's the thing about preparation is my. I actually love my portrait of Whoopi Goldberg partly because of this story and how it ends up. But also how um, I actually like that photo of her, and she's just kind of quietly scowling at the camera. It's on my website, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it just reminds me of that day, and then it reminds me of all these moments I'm going to tell you about. Okay. Is So we're waiting for this meet and greet to start with her, and uh, we got 15 minutes to kill, and we thought we were going to be doing portraits with her, and we're not, and things were tense. And uh, so I just said, you know, Timothy White, I got to tell you, some of my favorite portraits of you have been done by Timothy White. And she just flipped a switch. She went, Timothy White, oh, man, he's my boy. Like, she just was like, she was whoopee. Like, she was, all of a sudden, she's talking about a friend of hers. 
And then I said my other favorite. So we talk about Timothy White for a while, and she's just warming up. Now she's touching my arm as we're talking. She's just like a different person. Right. And then I talked about Annie Leibovitz, the photo and the milk photo, and she's like, oh, that milk was so damn cold. And she's starting to swear now, and she's dropping like F-bombs every so often. I'm like, this is the whoopee I thought I was going to walk in. And she's really nice. But my shoot's over. Like, I'm set right, up for this can't, other right. I can't, I can't go, right. hey, can we go back and hey, do Hey, well, now that I've loosened you up. Yeah. So anyway, we go get through the meet and greet starts. And then as people kind of meander in, sometimes there was a one or two minute lull between groups. And she'd, go, she'd come back, hey, Brian, like, uh, tell me about this. Or like, tell me more about Grand Rapids. And, you know, she's like an entirely different person. So uh, anyway, we all wrap up all our shoots. She's leaving. And I just said, I want to thank you, Whoopi. Uh, I just want to tell you, my wife and I don't get out very much, but we're coming to your show tonight. We can't wait to see your show. She goes, I want to meet your wife. Oh. I was like, you, I can make that happen. Done. She goes, right. I want to see you and your wife. Will you come and meet me on our bus? I'm not, she, she's like one of those people that doesn't like to fly. She so she's got a, she has she's a, bus. a big motor. A tricked coach. out bus, right. Oh, right. It's nice. Super nice, right. Super nice. Yeah. So she said, here's my manager. Uh, he gives me, her manager gives me his card and writes his cell phone on it. And he says, call me when you get to the bus at, at whatever time. And so he did, did that. And he's like, whoop, he's on the phone, but um, come to the door of the bus in five minutes. So we hung out for like 10, 15 minutes with Whoopi. We're doing our selfies with her and hanging out. But what I found out later was why she was in such a bad mood. <clears throat> she was dropped off at the Bob. Somebody freaked out on the sidewalk and was like, you're what big old park. Oh, my gosh. Like, startled her right off the bus. Then she came to the elevator to go up to the fourth floor of the Bob. Mm -hmm. And that elevator is tiny if you're going up to Eve. Mm -hmm. It's a really tiny elevator. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Um, she's going up to four. Elevator stops on two. Woman gets on, doesn't realize it's her. In the elevator car she starts flipping out you're what big Goldberg and touching her like doing all this stuff and then she gets off on the fourth floor rounds two corners and it's her photo shoot like oh see and she's just completely freaked out in the elevator wow so that's a I'll give Whoopi a break but all like right. I mean you know that wasn't a good experience but it just turned out about just doing a little bit of research and talking to people you can break you can kind of flip it you but know, I do want that time back with her. You know what I mean? When you say, well, you maybe you'll have another chance. I mean, she'll probably, I mean, she'll remember you and know you now. I hope so, yeah. You know, when you said elevator, I, I had a weird elevator thing with Barbara Streisand. What? True story. Um, I hate it when people start true stories. If it's, I'm about to lie. <laughs> I'm going to lie my ass off everything, right now. Everything else I said <laughs> is ready. a lie. Get ready. All a lie. True. This particular thing. I'm in, I'm staying at the Beverly Wilshire. I work in Detroit. We're doing what? the. We're doing. I went to the State of the Beverly Wilshire all the time. We're doing the show at K Rock in Los Angeles because the C the C CB and the WB are now going to become the CW network, which they are now. Uh -huh. The CBS and the WB, CBS and the WB are becoming the CW, and they're having this big party on the lot. And they want, I worked for CBS Radio at the time. They want radio stations, they want the Detroit stations to come out and be at this party. So you're going to do a week's worth of show from K-Rock, and then every night there's a different event. Oh, and it's also, um, there was a movie premiere, one of the Superman movies, so we were on the red carpet for that. 
I did a lot. I've done a lot of really cool red carpets too. Yeah. I did the Grammys one year, which is oh my god. Yeah, had to be. A um, Peter Gabriel stood with me for like an hour. I, I can't even. Was during the so days? It was when no, it was later than that. But it was um, he when he was touring doing the upside down when he was touring that. But he oh, was yeah. um, it was when it was in New York. But anyway, that's yeah. a long. That's a it was fun. But um, so I'm at the Wilshire. I'm out. At, we do our show in the morning. And then I go to the beach all day, and I'm coming back because we have an event that night. I got a dinner that I have to be at that night. And I'm, I rented a car, so I'm used to Michigan driving. Yeah. And driving out there is a whole other level. So if you don't leave an hour, so I'm rushing back to the Wilshire, and I can't get in the lot. And I'm a, I'm a guest at the Wilshire. I can't get my car in the lot. So I pull up on, like, the sidewalk. I get out, and I go in the lobby, and I'm not being a jerk, but I'm all in my beach gear, and I said to the front desk, I go, I'm a guest here, and I can't even get, and they go, well, there's a couple parties here. One, there is there is a bar mitzvah here, and the other is, it's Stevie Wonder's uh, birthday party. And so there's all, and I'm like, well... You know, whatever. I need to get bit, bit, bit. So I go in, I get in the elevator. You and pulled the LAV card? I did. I pulled it. Do you know who I am? They're like, this is a Beverly Wilshire. Get out of here. You're not a pretty woman. You know, huge mistake. Big mistake. Huge. But um, but so I say, and here are the keys to my car. Somebody move it around. So I get in the elevator, and I'm in beach clothes, and this woman and her two children and her husband get on with me. So, and I'm like, oh. And she goes, I'm sorry. She goes, my sister's going to ride with us. Do you mind? And I go, eh, all right. So I push up. The elevator goes down. I'm like, why? I'm like, okay, you know. And I'm, I'm nice now because I'm in the elevator. It's not there. But she heard me yeah. bitching to the front right. desk, this woman. The elevator doors open. There's a woman in all in orange, head to toe. She's, um, she's uh, her publicist. She's Barbara's publicist. And then there's Barbara. Barbara gets on. Well, this woman is Barbara's sister who is already on the elevator with me. Mm. This is, she goes, my, and these are Barbara's two nieces and her brother in law. Barbara gets on, and I am like, and she looks at me, and her sister goes, She's a guest, and she's late for dinner. Like, she heard me, bitch. She's a guest here. Like, don't, like, Barbara's like, Why is there some? And I'm freaking, and Barbara, her hair is in my face and she's a little she's got a trench coat on she's a little kind of dumpy she's in flats her publicist is carrying her heels she's got this trench coat on and she's now when I was a kid my mother had Barbara Streisand albums I grew up Barbara there to me stage screen yeah she's a triple there's no bigger star on earth in my mind than Barbara Streisand yeah for sure I can't breathe and her sister's looking at me like hold it together and I am on the elevator at the Beverly Wilshire, me from Grand Rapids, Michigan, at the, with Barbara Streisand. Her hair's in my face, and I'm dying. And I'm like, and I want to say something, but I'm not. I'm going to respect her because she's on her way to some bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And so we get to my floor. Barbara gets off to let me off. And, um, her, oh, her sister said she's been at the beach. And Barbara goes, the beach? Who would go to the beach all day? Like, just like you'd think Barbara would say. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't say anything because I can't breathe. Barbara what gets out. What kind of person? I would say this to Barbara Streisand. You know what I'd say? What kind of person lets other people carry your shoes, Barbara? Yeah, Bar- Babs. Yeah, Babs. Barbara Streisand does. Although I would be I happy would carry to carry Barbara's her shoes. shoes. Yeah, Are you kidding sure. me? Yeah. So Barbara gets out to let me out. She's the only one in my door. And she goes... She looks at me, and I can't help it. I go, 
I just threw up. Like, I mean, I, I didn't throw up, but I threw up. I go, Barbara, I'm the biggest, I'm your biggest fan. I love you. I've loved you for years. Oh my God, please enjoy your night. And she says to me, clean yourself up. I'm not, I'm not. No. I, I walk in my hotel room. I got dirt from my forehead to my chin. <laughs> Here I am at the Beverly Wilshire yelling yeah. like a crazy person, mud from my, a big mud from the beach that so I had, had no a, idea. She had a point. Clean yourself up. And I got, and I like, I can't, I mean, it was the, oh my God. So you yeah. ruined your chance to to. Um, That's my hang brush out with, with Barbara Streisand. I called my mom and I couldn't breathe. My mom goes, "Are you on drugs? You're in LA and you're on drugs right now, Michelle, aren't you?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" She's going, "You're on the cocaine." I'm like, "No, mom, I can't." Take Barbara Streisand in the elevator, bah. So then you're I the went to go down and have dinner, and there is um, Denzel Washington. Any black star is there for Stevie Wonder's birthday, sure. and there's Stevie and his wife, and Stevie. They're waiting for their car, and I'm like, "Hey, Stevie, Detroit." You know, and he's like, oh, my God, he gives me a big hug. I go, I'm here for radio. I mean, it was yeah. an out-of-body experience that night. But, yeah, that's my elevator, Barbara Streisand story. Clean yourself up. Clean yourself mm-hmm. up. People. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it all works. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk. We were talking about uh, that was some good um, celebrity stories. I'm sure you have a million of them. I heard you interview William Shatner and we won't mm-hmm. go into that, but definitely like your job is interesting every day. I think like I, I get to meet, uh, that's mm-hmm. what I like about our jobs is totally. I, get to, I get to meet different people. And yep. like, I feel like my camera is a conduit to people I would never meet otherwise. And your job is too. Cause the microphone a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Da- I'm not going to start with stories, but I just, David Lee Roth grabbed my crotch. Really? And the guy behind me punched him and knocked him down. Yeah. Yeah. That's my did David you, Lee Roth story. Did you story. then continue to punch the other guy? I said, not? I'll give you 20 minutes to stop, <laughs> David Lee Roth. No, that is terrible. Look, I'm setting the movement back, aren't I, by saying that. Me well, too movement, a setback. Yeah, yeah. David, he was hammered, and he grabbed yeah. like, really? like a, yeah, just grabbed That's my crutch. I was probably 20, I was music director. There are only 11 uh, female music directors in the country, and I was one of them. Wow. At WGRD, I got to decide what music we played. Eris Hampers was at LAV, and I was at GRD, and we were good buddies. And yeah. David Lee Roth was in town, was in Detroit, and uh, Denise George, she was a record rep and her husband, and he grabbed me, and her husband saw it and, like, punched him and knocked him down. It was, like, some great story. Wow. I know. Awesome. All right, I'm sorry. Now I got us. No, but we talked about you being a funny person growing up. Yeah. There's two parts to my question. Okay. One, one will lead into the, the roast, but also a roast of Dave Dyer. Mm-hmm. But also, um, I like to ask people as part of the podcast... Because most people have been extremely accomplished at what they do and whatever it is that they do. Mm-hmm. But when you got into media and radio, when did you feel like that 10,000 hours idea where you felt like, how long did it take for you to really feel like you knew what you were doing and you felt confident mm-hmm. and that you, okay, I have like divorced from ego and being yep. egotistical. That was at my twenties. Mm-hmm. Where you were like, I'm good at what I do. You know, a minute. I'll tell you. Um, it in this business. Let, let me tell you what I get paid for. How many people like me? True. I get my. I'm my whole life is based on ratings. Yeah, and ratings are. Do you like me or do you not like me? And if you like me, 
how many of you like me? And of how many of you like me, are you the right age group that I'm going to get some money for right. it? So if there's and ever... And it's never a, enough. No. So even if a lot of people like you, your bosses and everybody else, no, so they want more. So if you're insecure, this is not your business because yeah. you will be... Because there'll be a million people that say they love you, but the one that says, mm, we don't, I didn't like that show, you know, you, that can't bother you. So really, I'm in the business where... How much you like me literally is how much I eat. I mean, that, that's how I get paid yeah. based on if you like me. So it's so bizarre, but right. it's the truth. So it took me probably t- through my 30s I, when I hit Detroit. I'll tell you what. I, wa- yeah. I got a gig in Detroit, and it was a big gig and a big deal. And they called me. I was working here, and they called, and they said, we love you. You have to come to Detroit. And it took them a year. I, I said, no, 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 no. And then I... Were you trying to negotiate or nope. it was just like... I just didn't no. want to do it. And yeah. then I found out that I have a little bit of a gift in negotiation. That's my dad. My dad is my dad is a bargain man. We, we would come home from school and he'd go, I'd bring kids and he'd go, your parents need a sink, I got a garage full of sinks. Now, I don't know where the sinks came from, maybe off a truck, we don't know. But my dad was always negotiating, he was a salesman. There's always some deal He's like gonna that. He's going to hustle those sinks to Darn somebody. Darn right. You need a sink, get you tell your mom you need a sink, I got it. Get a two for, you know, and so... I became a wheel and dealer at an early age, and so um, when I when I got the gig in Detroit, it was a lateral move, but uh, it was people recognized me quick. Three weeks there on the radio, I was at a baseball game, and they were like, "Michelle, Michelle, Michelle." So the next year, I got rid of my agent, who was ten percent, some big LA agent, and negotiated for myself. That's when I knew because yeah. I got up and walked because. Um, my dad always said... Because other people validated you yep. personally and, without yep. like this yep. person yep. sort of and, uh, leveraging whatever they thought yeah. for you. And there's a thing called morning show boot camp where I go every year, and I've been going for 30 years. And when I first started going, I was just this young girl in the business. Now I actually do a seminar at it. Um, yeah. And I tr- coach... Yeah, and, you're mentoring now. Yes, and I find talent for our company. So yeah. that's when I know. And I don't know a lot, but I know this business, and I know that I know this business. But yeah. it took till about... Yeah, it took to my late 30s, and I'm 54 now, so I think I'm Well, that's a lot. I think any creative, you know, I talk to a lot of young photographers and Mm. people that want to do things um, creatively. It doesn't even have to be in photography, but there's a point, if you can survive long enough at the beginning, that there is a switch. that It it is horrible, and you're also your most insecure, and you don't really know a lot. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, but if you can survive that, then things, it's a chicken or egg thing. Like I couldn't, no one asked me to shoot any, um, well, high profile people, if you want to call them celebrities or just high profile people in general, until I had high profile people in my book. It's like the chicken or the egg. Yeah. yeah that's no what one's going to give you a flagship <laughs> radio <laughs> show <laughs> until you've had a flagship radio show. I mean, I had a guy say to me, I'm pregnant, I'm 23, and this is a corporate guy, head of our company comes in to interview, shuts the door and says, I've always wanted to screw a pregnant woman. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you had to put I up with. I can't imagine. Oh, that. can you? And I just I, went, But I do. I know. You know what I did? I, I laughed it off. I laughed right. it off and went, oh, <laughs> hey, today's not your lucky day, you right. know. But you just keep going. And in my 20s, if I were to stop and think about all of the misogyny, I mean, oh, in this business and you get these insecure guys who hide behind a microphone who here comes a girl who is getting a little bit of attention and they just want to keep you down. Yeah, I've had that. I've had probably. Well, that's what I started about ways to, you know, without me 
project. I mean, those are things I assume that any mm-hmm. any woman in in that industry would have to battle through the eighties, nineties, and two thousand, sure. and still now. No, I mean it's not mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. Uh, no magic uh, switch was flipped off on that. Yeah. You know? So. But that's what I've admired just as a business person because you've, you've not only had to develop audience and that likability, mm-hmm. you had to manage all the, the contracts, people, yep. uh, politics at the at stations, changes of ownership of radio stations. Like it's, it's a landmine every time you turn around. Well, and I, I think this about you too. I, I just think... Are we going to talk about me? You're now? very nice. And I think people go, oh, the nice guys finish last. I, I don't believe that. I think... Um, every time you have always made, like I, I have, even at, cause I went away for a while and came back. And when I came back, you're like, uh, I was at an event and it was at the Van Andel Institute and you came up to me and you said, Hey Michelle. And I'm like, Hey, and you go, I'm Brian. And I, you're just, you're just, it, it matters. And that's, I've always been nice. Somebody wasn't very nice to me. A female wasn't very nice to me when I first started in radio. She was really mean and really jealous and really, and I thought eh, that's not, and I think just being nice really does go a long mm-hmm. way because people, people don't forget you. People won't forget you. Well, I appreciate you said that. Yeah. It is, you know, there's, it's a double-edged sword because I think there's times I, I could do better by saying no to some things or being, you know, I'm, I try to, I try to, my, my default is to say yes and that can kind of burn you out mm-hmm. on certain things. It mm-hmm. can happen in your personal life, your private life. But I'll tell you that what really changed me wasn't really necessarily, uh, I mean, obviously, my parents raised me to be a certain way and be nice, and I think it is in my DNA for sure. Sure. But it's having some crisis outside of yourself that gives you perspective, mm. right? So Stuff we talked matter. about my daughter, mm-hmm. you know, arriving with lots of drama and some other things that we've struggled through as a family and made it through just as like, I don't have time to be an asshole to people. I really don't. So I don't much have energy. the energy anymore. Yeah. I don't. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I care. But I don't. I don't have time to like. I don't know what another person's going through. That's you know. I'll tell you. I was driving home from work one day, and the car in front of me wasn't going as fast as I'd like him to go, yeah. and they were not. And I, and I was on where Monroe turns into Plainfield. I was on Plainfield, dumb bomb by the Choo Choo Girl there at, at mm-hmm. Leonard. Yeah. And I was so mad, and I even honked my horn and. Uh, and he kind of pulled over to let me go by, and I looked, and you know, it, it brings tears to my eyes to say it. Even it does. I'm so embarrassed. Here's a guy who's looks like it's an older guy. His wife just got out of the hospital. She's in bandages. He's gingerly driving her home. Here's this dipstick <laughs> behind him who wasn't going. You know what I yeah. mean? And to me, that yeah. was like, and that actually was a turning point in my like whole life. Like yeah. that made me go. Well, you don't know what somebody else is going through, and you're not well, any you don't. better. I remember some of the you know things in our family and our health of our kids is is much better now than it was. But the you know, and we're fine as a family. Mm-hmm. But it's um, but that tempered me to one thing to to be really tough and really strong. Yeah, because I can't control things. You can't protect uh, people from things, uh, health and all that stuff. But your job, you are in a very competitive career. And so how do you maintain the competitive edge? Like, why are you the call instead of anybody else in this town? How, well, it's not I, easy. Your it's, work is fantastic, but there has to be more. You, has to be, you have to be savvy. No, I, and I think I have been. My wife helps with some of that in there terms of, like, it is. It is, it is, but I'm running the business. I don't want to give the idea that. No, no. I mean, she's running things uh, in a way that, but I, I sound 
I sound stuff off of her all the time. There's a big job coming up. I talk to her about estimates. I don't really have a business partner. My wife's my business partner, but she's not. Because you trust her and she's smart. Well, and she's smart and she's been, you know, she's very, very smart. And she's also, um, I'm wrapped up as a creative and I want people to like me. I want to do this job. I don't Mm want to be difficult. You know, I want them to use me again. And like that gets into like. What is your true value? Like you have the same thing as a host and a market. Like right. how do you negotiate that? When it's you, you know, it's really hard to do that. Right. You're the product. I'm the right. guy. I'm the product. Right. So right. Um, I forget where you went. No, I mean, how that. do you stay competitive? How oh, do you, because you're oh, nice, certainly. how do you edge out the guy well, next to I you? Well, I do it with, I try to just every day get better at what I'm doing. I'm still not done learning. The next, I still want to learn about lighting. I still want to do better at post-production and toning and retouching and all those things, but continue to hone things in a way that are hard to replicate. So in some ways, my value and perceived value is that other people in this region or other parts of the country, there's less people that can do what I do if you want that. Or that can see what you see. Well, that's the other aspect of I don't sitting. Because so, I don't see how you see. I mean, you, you, you talked about lighting uh, upstairs yeah. at the Bob, and I would have never noticed daylight, you know? I mean, that's right, your... Right. Well, that's part of it. But then there's also, like, a big part of this podcast is, is there, there is an exchange between the photographer, me, and mm-hmm. the sitter, like you today. And, mm-hmm. we, you know, you have to make yourself, you had to make yourself somewhat vulnerable to me to really give me a different type of mm-hmm. photo, a little different angle than just... Radio Michelle, right. and this Jeez. is a promo. Yeah, yeah. no, and we, we work through that, but there's just a way. But in that process, there's there's a connection that's made somehow just yep. through that process yep. and trust. There's an exchange of trust. For sure. So after that trust, then that, that has always happened through conversation, and these conversations have continued. But when the shoot ends, like the conversation ends. So yeah. here's where I want to... Uh, drill in and be able to take that connection that you feel and maybe extend it a little bit longer mm-hmm. into a conversation. Mm-hmm. So um, that being the premise of the co- podcast, but there that's one aspect. You, there's a lot of great technical photographers or video directors that are technically proficient. They are obsessed with gear and lenses, but their portraits are soulless. Like they don't have that really? uh, connection. Yes, okay. Yeah. And it's, you know, and there's people who are way better at me, what I do. You know, I mean, there's people that are always... I no. I would be willing to bet though a guy uh, like a Whoopi Goldberg or somebody when, when they see what how you've captured them I would imagine they get back with you. I always think if I'm, you know, an Ed Asner or somebody and I look at that photo, I have to call you or send you a note and say, "This is beyond." Cuz I don't think you, you don't again during the shoot you don't see what you see. I don't see what you see. Well, some of the magic, quite frankly, is done after. Like, yeah. we, I haven't, you know, not to use too many stupid metaphors, but the the raw file that comes out of the mm-hmm. camera is just a platform. I get it as close as I can to what I'm envisioning. But after that, it's it's digital tools, you know. It's a little cool. retouching here. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of mm-hmm. color and shading and different different sort of... But that's... You can't separate these things anymore. It's all one process, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, some people have, I've had relationships with, with people that I've met instantly and then I've worked for them later or I've done other photo shoots for them or they just flat out licensed the thing that I shot for them, uh, even if it was for like Laugh Fest or something, where 
that happens. But also, Whoopi Goldberg's been shot by Annie Leibovitz. She's been shot by Jimmy the Watt. So, you know, she's rolling into the Midwest Grand Rapids here to go do this little comedy festival. She's not expecting a very good photo shoot, which sometimes plays into my hands. I was just going to say. So they're not expecting a lot. And then they see, uh, you know, they they just see the extra care and attention. And then the result that we end up, we send them low res, so we don't send them high res. Because I always think, I always think, that's why I I sent you a note. Because I thought, this guy, you're out of my league. And what I mean by that is... I, I, you know what, everybody wants, in our business, we need promo pictures and promo shots. And again, I don't want to say, oh, just take it off my Facebook page. I would like to have something. And I'm like, can I, are you like millions of dollars? Like, I mean, because, because I think your work is so, uh, well, it's double-edged. I appreciate you perceive that. Mm -hmm. That's how I kicked my way into that this podcast, by the way. I kicked your door open going, you're taking my picture. (laughs) Yeah, you did, but it worked out for me because mm-hmm. you were on my list since we met at the roast. So we'll wrap up this photography thing. But the okay. the, but the part of it is that it's a double-edged sword. I'm grateful people perceive whatever they perceive of my work, right? That's mm-hmm. great, and that's, mm-hmm. um, that's a good platform. The, the barrier is that people don't necessarily might be like you. were like, oh, he'd never be interested in doing that, or I don't have a budget for this, or yeah. I don't have, yep. like, they just think it costs a lot of money. And the truth is I work with... Small companies, small. I work with startups. I work with Fortune 500 companies. I travel around the country doing shoots. Like, there's no, I'm going to find a way to find, uh, hopefully, find a yes. If I can. Okay. If okay. sometimes I just can't make like, it. Like, will work. you hold a check until it's payday? Hold a check. You do work in radio, don't will you? Will you find a yes? Like, if I write a check, you'll hold a check till pay. I'll find a way to find a yes. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, no, I, it's, it's, you have to, and to be really busy and Mm -hmm. consistently busy over 21, 22 years is you have to work with everybody. You can't just wait for, you know, marquee jobs because you know what? I get better and I learn something with every single job. It doesn't matter. I don't, I try not to phone in any jobs. Right. And get better. But. Okay. The roast. The roast. So we. We were both our friend Dave Dyer, mm-hmm. and if everyone's listened to every single episode of this podcast, which I'm sure everybody has, right? Millions, millions. Well, especially this one now. Well, now, yeah, you've now done. arrived. You're <laughs> Good luck. I mean, rating spike. Yeah, Michelle McCormick. Let's what? Where? <laughs> <laughs> I need more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, please. So, our mutual friend Dave Dyer mm-hmm. um, was being roasted by his comedian friends, and because you'd worked with Dave on radio for years, and he'd mm-hmm. been a guest, a regular guest, and then you actually co-hosted a show together for a while, correct? Mm-hmm. Or at least a, he had a spot on a certain day. Sure right? did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you survived that, mm-hmm. and uh, you, him, he, you. I don't know what that means. We are we are buddies. Yeah, for you sure. are buddies. Mm-hmm. So anyway, when they put the di- the dais together. I was on the dais because Dave's my childhood friend mm-hmm. and still one of my best friends, uh, if not my best friend in the I, world. By the way, I never knew that till the roast. Really? I, he told me that he, Brian Kelly's one of our really good friends, but I didn't realize about the childhood growing up. You just thought up. he was bragging. Yeah, okay, Dave. You know, he's big time me before. Uh, that's a long story. And Meyer. I went, hey, Michelle McCormick, he went, hey, and he kept walking. I went, that little bastard, that fat little bastard, just big time me. By the way, that's he's, when he was fat, Dave. He's not fat anymore. No, he's not anymore. He's slim. Ugh, whatever. Makes me sick. CrossFit. Okay. Um, so. So we were both on the dais, mm-hmm. and we both had to write our little bits, taking down some of the other people on the on the dais, and then also we had to do a funny little bit about Dave, and, you know, roasts are brutal. 
brutal, which is... And there was no cameras, no phones, no recording in this thing. Which is a sweet spot for me. Yeah. I like, I like brutal humor. I you do. Came out, you came out a swinging. Yeah. yeah. And it was awesome. Well, uh, yeah. Mean is... Uh, listen, I'm not a mean, mean person, no, but... No, there, so, there was... The jokes were so well-crafted and Thank rooted you. in some... You know, real experiences that yeah. made them just yeah. land yeah. really hard. Yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, I didn't realize I I was following. Um, I followed. Oh, I, I love him so much that I can't think of his name. Which guy? I can uh, I can cut this part out. Okay, dark hair. Uh, he's the cute uh, Matt, Matt 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 Lauria. Okay, Matt Lauria. Okay, Matt Lauria. Yeah. So I follow Matt Lauria, and Matt uh, is a comic, and I think he's funny, but he he, he I. He maybe drank a little bit too much, and so I you started think? it with I wasted all this time worrying about following you, you know. So that was my icebreaker. <laughs> yeah. so that was no, fine. but it was uh, so uh, outside of what you'd written, and I remember I saw you backstage before the show. I was nervous. Rick. I was so nervous. Yeah, I've me never too. Been, I was. I've never been more nervous I for s- anything. I said that you and I were saying that. I said yeah. I have never. I I hate every bit about this, but I had right. it written word for word. Yeah. Right, and yeah. I spent more time on that yeah. on that. I spent days on that, yep. and I didn't have time to do it either. Like, yep. but it was like I, there was something at stake that just is crazy. But uh, we were talking backstage. But my your ad libs, like your just improvisation in the moment, reacting to the event that night, and digging mm-hmm. on Matt Loria and him being drunk, and then there's sidebar <laughs> Kevin Yan, who yeah. rest his soul's gone now. Yeah, but like it was just a fun night. But I was really I saw another side that was like a little less. Uh, I think you're free willing on the radio, but when it's a roast, you get to really uh, yeah. unload both both barrels. Yeah, bring it back to Tony Gates and the zoo. I like, mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, there are, like the the comedy, the the th- stuff that's funny to me is the stuff that's shocking. You know, <laughs> like I love shock. I mean, yeah. I like ugh, uncomfortable yeah, a humor here and there. And it's funny. I, I I thought the same about you too. I thought, God, your stories about growing up were so funny. And you know, and and it's funny because all these comics go. Oh, we what a surprise. You guys were funny. Oh, who knew that you'd be I knew. I knew I was funny. That too. You know, oh look at you two. You two were funny, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. One of my favorite lines, and I know the Yan family. So Kevin Yan passed away. We've talked about him on another yep. podcast, but um, you know, he was a great actor and a good friend of Dave Dyer, and they did a bunch of videos uh, shorts together. But um, one of my and he's a he's a heavier guy, he's always mm-hmm. a bigger guy. And he did you you worked with him at, back at the? I've known Kevin for years. Kevin, yeah. uh, we have been friends for he years. He's a producer uh, at LAV. Yep. And, yep. And, uh, Kevin well, Mathis. further than that, when our, when my son was small, uh, he was in Mighty Might Skiing, and Kevin Kevin at Cannonsburg Ski Area. Kevin ran that joint, so Kevin and I became friends years ago. And Kevin is the one who said he looked at me probably thirty years ago and said, "You're funny." Don't let anybody walk on you. Uh, Kevin Yan said that to me. No, There's, that's awesome. And it meant, it meant so much to that me. That gave me chills right there because he said it's it. like, yeah, that's Don't let crazy. anybody walk on you because men were yeah. steamrolling me. And he's like, don't let anybody walk on you. You're funny. Yeah. yeah. And he knew the end. He knew, he knew, without saying it, he kind of knew what you're going for. Yeah. He meant it in yeah. a business sense. And he right? was right and yeah. it worked and it did. And he, yeah. I reminded him of that all the time. In fact, I reminded him of that that night. At the, <laughs> One of my favorite moments of the whole roast. <laughs> Is when you looked back at Kevin and you're like, can you hear me? You're yelling at yeah. Kevin like he was old and are couldn't. Are you awake? Are you awake? Kevin. I'm telling them hello. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Those are my funniest. Family's been very nice. His sons have all said, like, they love just, the, yeah. you know, any, they love hearing great things about his dad. And there wasn't a sweeter soul on the planet than him, I don't think, in, in the scheme of things. And what a talent. And but. what a sudden, uh, he went suddenly, and I, it was just shocking. He went suddenly, and. Well, it was only a week or two after the roast. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's sad. But, um, and, you know, we all have a great place in our hearts for him. And, and at his, um, there was a little uh, ceremony for him. What do we call it? Memoriam, whatever we mm-hmm. want to call it, get together. Uh, Dyer's speech for him was some of the most eloquent I've heard Dave Dyer speak was at yeah, that. Yeah, we didn't so. know that eloquence was in him, really. No, and it was, it was, it, it was that heartfelt. was, a, yep, yep, yeah, that was, was a tearjerker. That was really nice. Yeah, it was really Yeah, it was a fun night. It was all fun. And I, I, again, I feel like you're one of those people that's like in the, like, I, I know you, but I don't know you. And so I was very excited when you said, I'm going to come do my podcast. I'm like, well, oh, I felt Lord. the same about you. I mean, you're just part, like, you're in the ether of the community from yeah. not only just what you do as a, a community person, you do tons of nonprofit work. I mean, you're always hustling and, and yeah. doing good in the community. I don't mean that in a golly gee, you're doing good, I Michelle. am good. Well, you are no. good, but you're not a do-gooder. It comes I know from a place mean. in the community that you're trying to further mm-hmm. people's causes because people need help, and mm-hmm. I think that's a, a great platform to to work from, and you have a platform that you can affect some change in opinions on things. Something, and I found this out too recent, not recently, I guess in the last 20 years, something that's so small to me could be so big to somebody. Like just putting, yeah. saying their name on the radio or their cause on the radio, which is nothing for me. And our right. company allows us to do that. They give us freedom to do that. Is such a big deal to them or can help somebody. I mean, you're silly if you don't, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. if, like if somebody said to you, can you snap a photo of these children who are Make-A-Wish kids and all they want is... What are you going to do? You can say no. I mean, it's so I mean, small to you to snap a photo. I'll let them know where to so write the check, You'll too. let them know what it costs, and, yeah. you know, the lighting has to be perfect. Yeah, but other than that, you'll do great. it. And, these and kids, they have to be in all good moods. They have to hit their marks. <laughs> I want them in and out in 10 minutes. No sour pusses. Yeah. Come on now. But, so you know, so I survived it, Whoopi. I'm not going to do kids. That's a great story, Whoopi's story. I do tell a lot. I don't know that many people have heard it, though. Like, it seems like a, it's a great, like, dinner conversation mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Or, like, sometimes I'll tell a class if I go talk to a college or a high school or something. But um, what, what do you want to talk about that we don't know? What else don't we know about you? Just in terms of, uh, you know, your life. Oh, I know what it is. Because well, we talked about being sort of tempered by crisis and some health things yep. and some things that you've had. I know you've had some struggles around just over the years with health. Yeah. And it's changed. I'm sure it's changed and reframed some of your perspective about it, things. You know, it's weird. I, um, I went to, uh, my life was changed about four years ago. I had had some, uh, this disease that presents itself as rheumatoid arthritis and it's a like a chondrosarcoma chondrosarcoma however you say and it's these little spots on your bones and it's painful it can be painful and it's um and it it can wreak havoc with your immune system and my joints are all swollen they couldn't figure out what it was i and so i went to a holistic guy there's a guy he's from holland and he's 60, and Holland, he looks 40. Holland, or the Netherlands. The Netherlands. And okay. he's here in Grand Rapids. And he's a big deal, this doctor. It's hard to get in. Somebody has to, another patient has to, like, yeah. sponsor. It's like getting into the Knights of Columbus. Like you got to get sponsored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be you gotta made. Get spon- you got to be made. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You get kissed on the cheek. <laughs> no, that's when they're going to kill you, right? Anyway, yeah. um, I went to him. His name is Dr. Denbor, this guy. And 
I was 220 pounds. My joints were all swollen. I was miserable. But I always look good in a car. I'd love to be 220 right now, actually. I'll tell you what. I was really, I looked thin. Like, I carried my weight below, so I was always pretty in a car. Get out of the car. I'm not getting out of the car. I always look good in a car. And so I've heard that even if I no, forgot about that. Yeah, and it's, it's true. So, I always so look good. good in a car. I mean, yeah. it's true because I, from up here. Mm-hmm. So I walked in there, and he goes, the inflammation in your body is the worst I've ever seen. And this is a guy who's, so he said, cut out wheat, sugar, and dairy. I missed 57 days of work that year, three years ago. I remember you were, yep. and Dave was subbing in quite yep. a bit for yep. you there. That, that I was, was out, and yeah. Tony's like, what the hell, you know, come on, we were just getting going. And so, um, so, and they did surgery, they have to scoop these little things out of you. They did my jaw, they scoop these little things out of your bones. And it's, it's crappy and it's painful and meh. And, you know, you feel... There are millions of people who have things worse, but you yeah. feel pouty and right. bad. And so... Um, well, I would... Can I just interject yeah. one thing? Because I talked about, like, um, you know, other people... You know, other people have other... So there are silver linings um, in a lot of the stuff that happened with our kids and my daughter. But... It's okay to be mad about that stuff. Yeah, like it, you can be, you can. It's still you know, on me. Yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. like you know, it's okay to say that sucks. It does. You know? Yeah. 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 And but eventually you pull through. But anyway, sorry. I so no. So we. So he said, cut out wheat, sugar, and dairy. You're never going to be able that to do it because you're type A. And I did it, and um, it, it was super hard. And then it got super easy. Wheat, yeah. sugar, dairy, and I. The weight fell off, which I did. That was just a buy side. The joint, the swelling went down. I stopped eating packaged it food. Tr- it was just truly through diet. Truly through diet. And then I thought, I'm going to go all the way and I'm cutting out all animal products because I've always been an animal lover, watched a couple too many PETA videos. And sure. so I did it and it has, I put on some weight because sometimes I'll allow sugar, even though I'm supposed to cut out sugar because, you know, yeah. when you're vegan, you don't get any. But, um, it's easy. It's way no, easier I than I thought great. it would you be. You look healthy. You Thank look you. Good. You know, I mean, you look fantastic. I'm good. I'm comfortable now. Yeah. I'm, you know. Well, you must much feel better, which just adds to everything else. I you do. get more energy to get through your day. And yeah. And it starts at three in the morning. You got to be kidding me. It's got to yeah. feel like a new lease on life. Yeah. So so that's that's it. But yeah. It, but it through that process, out. my point is it sort of tempers you and it sort of creates some empathy for situations that mm-hmm. you've never really considered. It also, like you said, you learn to say no. I was a yes person too. It yeah. taught me to say no more. Yeah. And then it puts more, that's going to sound kind of deep. There's way more power in the yes when you say no sometimes. Well, I, you know? I, I was almost said that during the thing. It's all kind of, that's why I asked if you were negotiating mm-hmm. when you said no about going to Detroit for a year. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when you say no to things, then the pot gets. They want you more, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But I don't do that intentionally. Like usually when no. I say, you know, I'm not, I'm not that, you know, not there are that times, confident though, when I'm doing this, like, oh, let me say no to this, and they'll come back with piles no, of money. No, but there are times when really you shouldn't be doing things, yeah. but you do them because you know that. And and I've learned to not if it's if it's if you know still again what I do. It's not like I'm cutting someone open with a scalpel. It's radio. Yeah, right. The sun comes out the next day. You know, it's just radio. If I make a mistake, somebody's kidney doesn't get misplaced. You know, you know. Right, I mean, right. it's just. Oh, well, you know, it just yeah. life goes on. It's free. It's radio. So, yeah. Well, it's good to see your health journey and that you're Thanks. feeling feeling better. And, and um, you know, there's that. So, but yeah, when you miss 57 days of work mm-hmm. a year, you're probably worried about more than your health, right? Your company, what are they going to yeah. do? And I'm fortunate. We have, 
our company is based out of Atlanta, and the programming guy, the head of programming, the millionaire VP of program, big whoop doo, happened to have been, we were kids together starting out, and I've known him for years, and he's like, I got you. And so we have really good Cumulus Radio. We have really good programming guys. And those are the guys who decide, you know, what kind of what you have. And so we're lucky in that respect. So our company has been very, very cool to me. So Awesome. So, yeah, so there's that. And the other thing is I'm an insane, like, I'm like a cat lady, only a dog lady. Like, I talk to my dogs all day. Like, I sit with my dogs. Like, they, I do... I do voices. I do a car- cartoon voices. That's my other passion. Uh, that's why I talked to Brian Are they impressions or, or your own? Uh, I do cartoon voices. I do a lot of them. I'm okay. oh, sorry. I just, you're like, no, she just broke into one. But I do. That's my other thing. I sit around and do all different voices. What that's are you my other Ark, what are you saying? Brian Vanderark uh, does cartoons. He voices cartoons. He's got a company that they do this. They do a lot of kids stuff. Wait. And I have been begging him. The kid's iPad and the voice. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I do know. And that. I oh, want to yeah. do cartoon voices for yeah. him because my whole life, even as a kid, I did cartoon voices. That's yeah. been my dream to do cartoon voices and sound effect voiceovers just with my just with my voice. So so that's, so that's the goal. You that's the other thing. Brian Vanner, I want to uh, work. I want to do cartoon voices. Yeah. I would love to get a gig doing that. Yeah. Mm. So oh. those are my two things. And I'm a crazy animal and I would like to have a goat. That's all there is to know about me. Do you have property for a goat? No. Oh. I live in the city. <laughs> no, I just, just want like, one. Just like the goats. They're so cute, the little yeah. goats, you know, and they yeah. need, like I have, I live in a big brick Tudor, an old house built in 1923. Yeah. The same guy who did the Meadowbrook Mansion designed, uh, I live in um, yeah. Riverside Gardens. It's uh, near Riverside Park, quite no good. And um, I had a squirrel in my house the other day and shot video of it. He was swinging from the, and I, I got let him out. But like the, like once in a while, the, I'll see a mouse. Like I don't want to, and they're horrible for your house, but I, I'm very... Yeah. I'm, in, I'm, I'm weird. You asked what else there is to know about me. That's it. Well, you didn't have to share that no. much. Like, but that's yeah. great. I love yeah. it. It's Those ammo. are my things. Those are my things. Well, thanks for coming in. I just... Uh, it was great to connect on another level. You know, we've sort of Was that boring? Was that boring? Was this boring? No. Look how insecure. Was I boring? Was it good? What was the best part? Was I'm my part I'm going to go back <laughs> and see how the Nielsen ratings and downloads are. I'll get back to you in a couple weeks. Um, you, thank you for inviting me. And I'm, I'm so excited to see... I know that you took a lot of photos. I'm excited yeah. to see them. But I am, uh, I just, I have the utmost respect for you. Well, likewise. Thank yeah. you. It's fun to, um, you know, the podcast, this is working because I like being able to spend more time with people. Just this need, is a little more time. With you people. just need better microphones. The, next time I come, circle. this tin, this tin I can. I want to thank everyone for joining us. This is, uh, Michelle this is has so to go. Embarrassing. She's like 400. She's not satisfied with four hundred dollar mics. I have. People. I mean, I do have two of them and headphones. <laughs> it was a kit. It was uh, a kit. not an. Ex- it was a kit. Get yourself a, a microphone. Kit. I'll steal one from the radio station for Would you. Would you? I'll bring it by for sure. Bring me Tony Gates for mic, sure, and for then sure. Uh, I'll have it disinfected and then I'll use it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. It's yeah. great to see you. Well, that was fun. That was fun, and I'm still waiting for Tony Gates' uh, headphones. Michelle's not brought them to me. Not sure if I want them, but that was the deal. And she said she would steal Tony Gates' headphones and gift them to me. So let's make that happen, all right? 
Hey, to close this out, just want to remind you, check out our website. It's beautiful, people. I really like it. My daughter, Hannah, helped me design it and did a lot of heavy lifting on the design. And uh, what's cool about the website is you can, uh, every guest has their own episode page. And on there, you'll see uh, a lot of my favorite portraits that I shot of them just before we sat down to, um, you know, record the podcast. And uh, you'll also see a lot of video clips um, that I've cut out, you know, a lot of video clips, uh, bonus material uh, that highlight our conversation. So it's really a, a multimedia podcast where you can go to that episode page, you can listen and stream to the entire conversation that you're listening to now, but also you can look at all the portraits and see all the video clips and read more about each of our guests. Each one, uh, I've crafted a nice little bio of them. So, so get out there, peeps. Let's have a great week and, um, you know, let's go get it. Have a great week.